Welcome to the Everything Podcast, the place for everything education. Whether you're a first-year teacher or a seasoned educator, our mission is to help you employ smart strategies in and out of the classroom. We firmly believe that teacher burnout isn't inevitable. Part inspiration and part implementation, we discuss the why and how to make your classroom effective and sustainable. We're your hosts, Danielle and Nicole. You're listening to the Everything Podcast, podcast episode 46. Hey, Danielle. Hey, Nicole. How's everything going? Hey, I'm great. Great. Excited. How's wedding to- planning? <laughs> wedding planning is going okay. Thanks. Working on a couple different DIY projects, which is always super fun in my opinion. I know not everyone feels that way, but I love it. Nice. I am sure that every together is going to be amazing because I especially... So. I know we've talked about how much you like to personalize gifts when we did the episode around Christmas time. If you haven't heard it, when we get towards that season, it's definitely worth going back to listen to. But I bet that everything will come out just really great and everyone will love it. Oh, thank you. I hope so. I hope so. Danielle, today we have such an exciting episode. We have spent the past few episodes talking about why virtual summits matter, why you should Mm -hmm. attend, how to get the most out of them. We have recently been inspired by planning our own virtual summit, and we want to take all of the things that we've learned and apply them to the classroom because we think as we've gone through this process that there are a whole lot of real world skills that we can prepare our students with if we decide to make some projects based around this concept of a summit. So first up, I think it might be helpful for us to define what a virtual summit is so that everyone Mm -hmm. is on the same page, you know what to expect with a virtual summit. You can do this in a couple different ways, but essentially you need a software that would allow your classroom or your students to either pre-record videos or to go live on some type of stream. And we have a couple of options and suggestions for you, which we're going to link in the show notes. And with that, you want to make sure that students are able to see this information presented in a way that is usually camera facing, but can also be a presentation. And the the part that is really exciting and makes a virtual summit a virtual summit mm-hmm. is the engagement of the attendees, is the people that are watching this pre-recorded or live video stream and are able to engage in a conversation or questions or whatever comments you'd like to make around that topic. And that's where that classroom collaborative learning aspect would come into play, which is why we personally love it as teacher nerds. We love to talk and, and to engage with others online and to really help um, you know, this learning go even further. But it's such a great tool for a classroom setting because it's so different than your mm-hmm. standard oral presentation. Without a doubt. And if you are thinking to yourself that this sounds like a good idea, or maybe you're on the fence, but the logistics might seem a little bit tricky, don't worry, we're going to dedicate an entire episode to that. But for now, all we want to do today is just focus on the why of a virtual summit in the classroom. I think that it might be easy to think that maybe Nicole and I kind of have virtual summit on the brain because we absolutely do. (laughs) But as we're going through this, truly, it just seems like a great fit. And one of the reasons that I think the virtual summit works so well for the classroom is because as an English teacher, I see oral presentations almost synonymous with essays in a student's mind. It's something that they don't want to do. And it's something that they don't understand why they're doing it. They're doing it for the teacher to see, to get it graded, and then to have it thrown out and never thought about again. 
And if you reframe it as a virtual summit instead of your traditional oral presentation, all of a sudden there's a little bit more reason for the why. And students might decide yeah. to put a little more effort, put a little more effort into it as well. So true. We've spoken about, Danielle, how the oral presentation, you know, even from a student perspective, I can recall being a student and, and thinking this, and I know my students currently will say, mm-hmm. oh, nice presentations today. I get the day off, yes, right? Yes. They'll say it. They're not engaged, whether you as the teacher have put all these plans in place for students to grade each other, peer etiquette, feedback, yep. whatever it is. It's not the same. And we have a solution for you. We have a way that will allow this conversation to continue going and to really, like you said, reframe what it is that students are presenting on and and really investigating. Right. Because we don't think that you should try to eliminate oral presentations from what you're doing in the classroom. I know for me in the English discipline, we have an entire speaking and listening uh, set of standards around it if your school is uh, one that has to make sure that they're hitting all of those common core standards. But what we think we need to do is we need to make sure that we're making it relevant, whether it's relevant from the student who is preparing the presentation or, like you said, relevant to the students who are sitting at those desks. And the other element to this that's really great is this doesn't have to be all during class time. Mm -hmm. So students who are able to prepare this and this can be an at-home task where students are watching these videos and they're all present commenting on these videos outside of class time. Mm-hmm. If you choose to make use of maybe a, a day that doesn't always uh, act as a typical school day, maybe this is an opportunity for you. Um, but it's great because in the same way that real world tasks don't always fall into the same kind of at your desk nine to five mm-hmm. type of responsibility. This has a lot of the same uh, skills involved where you are required to do the research on your own time to come back to to have these conversations around particular topics that just may not look like your average, you know, go to a friend's house and work on a poster. Mm-hmm. This is really an investigatory kind of assignment, which we really love. Yeah. And you already mentioned that they are still doing the same research. They might even be doing the same kind of skills that you would have if you had assigned a traditional oral presentation. But instead, we're making sure that they understand their audience and maybe use a little bit more creativity. If I think about the kind of like stereotypical oral presentation, I think of a student in front of the class with a poster board or in front of like a PowerPoint, and they're giving biographical details about a famous person's life. They get up in Mm. front of the classroom Mm -hmm. and they're like, Albert Einstein. He was born (laughs) in an and everybody in the classroom tunes out. If you reframe it as a virtual summit, instead of an oral presentation on Albert Einstein, maybe now a student is presenting on five lessons that a high school student can learn from Albert Einstein's life. You still have- I have chills listening to that. (laughs) I love that. (laughs) Personally, I mean, how compelling is that? From the student perspective, from the audience, from even from the teacher perspective, I want to hear that presentation. Yes. And I think that 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 is one of our big goals here. We want to make sure that they're still hitting the same skills. And in fact, I think they're hitting even more skills when we reframe it as a virtual summit. So they're still doing the research. They're still- um, I'm sure that you're tying this back to something that your class is doing. So if it's a um, 
English class and they have to do a particular author or a particular like time period or book, they still have to go back and do all of those things. But now we've got that critical thinking, that creativity portion. And as a kind of side bonus, it's a whole lot harder to plagiarize something like that. <laughs> <laughs> very, very true. We did an entire episode on all of the ways that students might be cheating in your classroom. Yeah. And if you don't think that they can type in oral presentation on so-and-so, maybe you need to go and take think a listen. <laughs> um, whereas yeah. one of the things we covered when we talked about that is simply changing the language sometimes is enough. And if you reframe it as everybody is going to make a presentation for a virtual summit on fill in the blank, they're far less likely to find something of that nature <laughs> already in existence. And the fact that these students are putting themselves out there in a pre-recorded or live video, camera facing or otherwise talking about a topic, and they know that their peers are watching, mm-hmm. they're questioning, they're, they're engaging in, they're, maybe they're complimenting, whatever it is, and you as the teacher can drive that conversation and you can set the parameters how you wish, which is another great element. Mm-hmm. But when students recognize that, you know, aside from what would normally be maybe the question at the end of the oral presentation uh-huh. in the classroom, when this has to be an ongoing conversation as part of your grade or part of the assignment, that just really inspire. I mean, personally, for me, I think about how I would approach this mm-hmm. from a teaching perspective. And, and you'd really just want to set those parameters so that students understand, no, 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 this is meant to be something where you as the presenter are responding to questions as mm-hmm. they come in, whether it's in a chat or maybe it's in that live presentation, because you want this conversation to go far beyond the facts that you're presenting. And let's talk about that engagement piece a little bit more. So we've already had two podcast episodes about what our listeners can expect from attending our own virtual summit. And one of the things that we encourage you guys to do is make sure that you're, you're present in chat, you're asking your questions. And I think that if you are a student who is doing this in the classroom, all of a sudden, instead of giving peer feedback, like, give them one compliment and one critique mm-hmm. of what they've done. Yep. Instead, something that would be more authentic to what a virtual summit attendee might say is something like, wait, can you explain blank in a little more detail? It's not a criticism of the presenter and it's not a criticism of the listener either, but the student who sees that comment in, in the chat, if you will, is thinking to themselves, oh, in the future, I should probably define a word like that. Maybe not everybody was familiar with it. Or I thought that that part of my presentation was really, really clear. Maybe if I were to do something like this again, I need to add an example so people know what I'm talking about. And I think that's just so much more real world. Yeah. And even in that explanation piece, I mean, it really does take that learning further home for the presenter, Mm -hmm. right? When they're forced to redefine it in their own terms. And that's another part that we as teachers are always trying to make our students. Mastery of the skill. (laughs) Mastery of the skill. Exactly. Exactly. And speaking of skills, Mm -hmm. another great part, and we've touched on it a little bit in engaging with others online and having that conversation flow while the presentation is happening. Those soft skills about Mm -hmm. knowing how to interact with peers in responding to questions, you know, we work with high school students and it can be a little tough to uh, sometimes, uh, you know, you want to make sure that you are um, 
empowering students to be able to to complement each other in the right way, mm-hmm. to speak to each other in the right way. And those are all skills that they're going to eventually have to really ramp up as they continue to grow as young professionals yep. and giving them a space where they're not just asking the question for the sake of asking a question. They're learning yes. how to speak to each other and how to frame a question in a way that would make it helpful to the other attendees in that same chat. And just still respectful right. of the speaker. And is, <laughs> and is still respectful of the speaker and and trying to sort of keep that conversation going not a nice job but right oh I thought that was a little bit different can you explain why or whatever it is and we've already kind of mentioned that one of the reasons that this is really nice is that students are demonstrating that they can connect with their audience in a way that is less artificial than a traditional oral presentation or essay where it's just like connect with the teacher and that's their entire Mm -hmm. goal But even Mm -hmm. as they're commenting, they're really demonstrating that they, again, understand their audience. And that's something that I think a virtual summit in a classroom has over as an advantage over something like a TED Talk in a classroom. Now, don't get me wrong. I love TED Talks. (laughs) I really, really, truly do. I think they are amazing. And I think they are a really good option for a project at the end of a unit, especially one that had a lot of TED Talks in it. But sometimes students are not as motivated (laughs) by the idea that they are giving a TED Talk as maybe you or I would be if giving a TED Talk is something that's like on our bucket list. But in addition to that, the element of having that engagement wallet audience member, I don't think is something that typically goes along with that TED Talk style project. Needless to say, there are so, so many reasons why you as a classroom teacher Mm -hmm should really consider this as a part of how to either even introduce a new topic to wrap up one. It's however you'd like to frame it. And I think that you can do this so many different ways. Mm -hmm. So another great way Mm -hmm. to introduce this style of learning and participation that you likely haven't done before. It can be a little tough to conceptualize as we've done our best to describe it online to those who don't know it via email. Some of our participants Mm -hmm. have questions and it's understandable. It's a new kind of concept unlike, you know, your traditional webinar Mm -hmm. or so on and so forth. So with that, trying to make sure that students understand what exactly is required of them and how great this could be, how much potential there is for this to really be such a cool event for your class. There are a lot of really, really great ways that you could demonstrate this to your students, to your parents, to your admin. Mm -hmm. And we have one way in particular that we'd like to share, which is displaying in perhaps a bulletin board kind of style, the way that you may set up the quote unquote, network of students or the network of people Mm -hmm. who are uh, presenting on maybe a series of topics or maybe just one, but giving people a sense of kind of the rundown, how the event's going to play out and who's going to be presenting on what, and maybe even giving some type of schedule associated would be really cool and just help students understand, you know, the series of events and I just think there are so many ways to help explain this and Mm -hmm. also get kids really, really excited. The way that you're talking about it, you're really listing all of the different ways that students can be given ownership over this project Yes, that are not necessarily true of your traditional um, 
oral presentation. Um, I know that in our upcoming summit, our friend of the show, Kristen, is coming back and expanding her talk on choice boards to include a bunch of different strategies for kind of student ownership in the classroom and student choice. And we think that not only is this the idea of participating in a virtual summit, something that you might want to give students as an option, but even if the entire class is required to participate in the virtual summit, there are so many different places where they can do that. You can have the students be the ones to come up with categories like Nicole had mentioned. You can have them um, be the ones to figure out what would make the most sense in terms of maybe this is a business class or a math class that you're teaching. How would you go about funding it? What kind of funding would you need? What kind of mm. return on investment would you get? If it's an English class, maybe in addition to preparing the typical um, presentation that they have to do, they also have to write at least one uh like proposal for sponsorship. Again, addressing a different audience. There are so many different ways that students can like take this and run with it. If you say, all right, guys, you need to even come up with the title of the summit. I get so excited talking about this because I can see it working in so many different settings Mm -hmm. and so many different grade levels as well, which I think is another part. I mean, we're so lucky to have like you mentioned, Kristen Yan. We also have Haley Harwick, who's talking about using podcasts mm-hmm. in her classroom and how that's accessible for a range of students and subject areas and giving students that voice mm-hmm. that maybe isn't the traditional stand in front of the classroom kind of way. And we love the idea of really making these skills as relatable as possible, as accessible as possible. You know, we speak about flipped classroom Mm -hmm. and this is a great example of exactly that, right? That project-based learning that happens not in the traditional sense, but really gives students that agency, that ownership over what it is that they're creating. And we're just such big proponents of that. And we're very excited to be able to share an outline of how to put this together in your own classroom if you check out our free teacher resource library. And I like that you mentioned that, you know, it's not tech for tech's sake in this case, which I think is a trap that a lot of people frequently fall into. Instead, like podcasting in the classroom or something like that, it's it's the direction that we're heading in, right? It's the direction that jobs are heading in. It's the direction that consuming content is heading in. It's a way to make no matter what age group you deal with, um, it's a way to make them more career ready in some ways for the economy that they're likely to enter, which I really like. And yes, so if you are fired up as as we clearly are about this idea, um, we are happy, as Nicole mentioned, to provide you some some guidelines about how to actually implement this. Because based on our own experience trying to put together a virtual summit, there's a lot of items, logistics, details that need to be taken care of. (laughs) Definitely. And a great way to get a sense of what it looks like from the attendee standpoint is to, of course, join our Total Teacher Summit happening August 24th and August 25th. So there's your first step, number one. (laughs) And then when you head to our free resource library, you will get a sense of how this could look Mm -hmm. and some of the important steps to consider when explaining this to students, which I think may actually be the hardest part of the whole process. Um, 
we are going to take an entire podcast episode next week to kind of walk you through the process of doing that. But if you are just so excited, you're so hyped about this idea, head over to that free resource library. So that way you can get a bulletin board. So that way you can display all of the student work that is being done for the virtual summit in an offline fashion. So I know that your students are going to put in a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy into these presentations. And that's great. And those in your classroom are really going to enjoy it. But as Nicole mentioned, admins, parents, they're going to be intrigued by this idea too. So if you have an entire bulletin board in your classroom that's dedicated just to this, I think you are definitely going to catch people's attention. They're going to want to know and more. How cool, how cool would it be to include admin, parents, and so on? in the summit as an attendee, right? Yeah. <laughs> I just think that would be such a cool part as well. Something we hadn't talked about before, but hey, why not? But, hey, why not? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm, I know that you and I are huge fans of using QR codes in the classroom. I think that could be a really useful way of if mm. parents or admin are coming into the classroom, um, they have that bulletin board that piques their interest um peaks summit oh i i am such a nerd what can i say um so uh they get the the bulletin board grabs their attention and then they decide like i want to check out either my child's or i want to check out um what this entire class has been up to i think that'd be a really easy way to smoothly transition them from this outstanding visual to the actual you know, content, the meat of the situation. Perfect. Danielle, I think it's safe to say that we're pretty pumped up about summits, yeah. pretty pumped up about our own summit, and we have a lot to share on the topic. So yes. we truly hope that this episode brought you value today and definitely stay tuned for next week when we will really break down mm-hmm. how to make this actionable in your classroom. I can't wait. Me neither. Thanks, Danielle. Bye. If you'd like to learn more about us and the services that we offer, head to everything.com.